All right, we're continuing in our sermon series on Acts, and uh, we have gone kind of quickly. In fact, there are a couple of times that I wish we could slow down a little bit, but the desire is to uh, hear about Paul's conversion next week in Acts chapter 9. And so this week we are in the end of Acts chapter 8 where we see Philip, the evangelist, in his second little story. The first was how he went and proclaimed the gospel to the Samaritans. Remember, that group of people who were part Jewish and part non-Jewish who had been sent back from the Assyrian captivity and who had intermixed with other races and who uh, beyond that had taken their faith and mixed it with other idols that they would worship. And Philip came and preached the good news of Jesus. And the syncretism that marked the Samaritans was blown apart by the reality and the truth of Christ. Here we see the second story about Philip as he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. But what's interesting is what the, what, what the gospel writer Luke has done with these stories. He has sandwiched these two stories in between these remembrances and these narrative statements that Saul was persecuting the church all the while. And in the midst of this, Luke records for Theophilus the precision with which Jesus fulfills his redemptive promises, even in the face of persecution. Luke records the precision of these. The way I want you and me, the way I want us to think about this today, is I want us to realize that this story reminds us that God's redemption is to the ends of the earth. Think about Acts 1.8 when Jesus says that. You're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That God's redemption is to the ends of the earth. Therefore, his people witness to the ends of the earth. I remember the first time that a junior high student came up to me when I was visiting a church, wondering if I was going to end up uh, ministering there. And he came up to me and he goes, what is your name and why are you here? And I don't know how you think about junior high students, but honestly, some of you junior high students, you guys and your boldness can make most of our knees knock. <laughs> and I remember when Seth came up to me and asked me that question, why are you here? And I want to start with that with you today. Why are you here? Why are you here? Imagine when Philip told Luke this story. And you go, well, how do you know that happened? Well, we're told in Acts 21 that Luke, who was traveling with Paul, stopped in Philip's house in Caesarea. And it says that they stayed there for many days. Luke writes the Acts to remind Theophilus, you can have confidence in everything that you've been taught. Imagine what Luke thought when he heard this story. Philip said, yeah, well, there's another story I haven't told you. Did I ever tell you about the time when the Holy Spirit told me to go and speak to a eunuch from Ethiopia? And can you imagine Luke's jaw dropping and going, Wait a minute. The angel of the Lord told you to do what? Because in this story, Luke begins to understand 
The precision with which Jesus functions carrying out his redemptive plan, even in the face of persecution. I have a friend whose son is playing college football next year. He also played college football. And when he went to a specific university out in the Southwest, he met some of the coaching staff. And it turned out, get this, my buddy who's a pastor, it turned out that he had led a Bible study at the University of Georgia in which one guy came to faith and ended up leading another guy to faith who is now the coach of this team. And now he is wondering, is my son going to end up playing for him? The precision with which the Lord works. And Luke heard this from Philip. I want you to see what Luke is doing here. Because Luke is recording for Theophilus the precision with which Jesus fulfills his redemptive promises even in the face of persecution. Luke has already referenced many places throughout Luke and Acts from the prophet Isaiah. One of which that's closest to what we're going to read today is when he recorded Jesus cleansing the temple. And when he did that, he recorded that Jesus said, my house is supposed to be a house of worship from Isaiah 56, but you have made it a den of thieves. But when Philip tells Luke this story, Luke inserts it here so that we might be amazed at God's precision. Even his precision that asks the question, why are you here today? Because Luke is going to unfold for us what God is doing through the conversion of this Ethiopian eunuch. The first thing that I want you to see, God's redemption is to the ends of the earth. Therefore, his people witness to the ends of the earth that God uses obedience and scripture to redeem women and men. If you look at these first few verses, you read in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Arise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip did it. Philip obeyed. A couple of verses later, we read that the Holy Spirit came to Philip in verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. And so Philip did it. He obeyed God, right? And what we see is that God used Philip's obedience and his scripture to convert this Ethiopian eunuch. Philip runs alongside and he hears the eunuch reading scripture from the chariot. Somehow, every commentator thought that it was an important thing to say. Everyone in his day read out loud. It was obvious that he was reading out loud if Philip was to hear it. And so Philip turned and he said, do you understand what you're reading? You see that right here in uh, verse 30. And the eunuch actually responded to him and said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And then it tells us that the passage of scripture that he was reading was Isaiah 53. Right? God uses obedience in scripture to redeem women and men here the ethiopian eunuch 
humbly acknowledges his need for guidance. If we believe that God uses obedient Christians and his scripture for the conversion of women and men, we will study God's word so that we might be guides, so that we too might be used by God obediently to lead someone to the recognition of who Jesus is. You know that I have on the back table there books by a guy named Rico Tice. He's a British author and a pastor. And he said, look, in our day and age, the bar to ask your friends to come to church is so high in, in London that he encourages folks, look, don't ask your friends to come to church with the very first thing that you do. Ask them to read the Bible with you. And so he wrote this book called Honest Evangelism. I'd love for you to go get a copy and take it. But don't take just that book. Take the little red books next to it. The Gospel of Mark. Because the whole focus and intent is that we would spend our relational capital encouraging those whom we love to read God's word. Isaiah 55 Verses 10 and 11 say that like the rain that falls from the heaven, God's word never comes from his mouth to return to him void. But it always accomplishes the purposes for which he sent it. This passage is very clear that God uses obedient men and women and scripture to redeem men and women. This is amazing. Now in verse 32, it picks up and it says the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And then the eunuch says to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself? Or about someone else? And then verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture. Does that phrase remind you of what Luke wrote in Luke 24? That Jesus began with this scripture and throughout all the scriptures. He proclaimed, he told him the good news of Jesus. The second thing that we understand about God's precision is that Jesus is the, under, is the key to understanding all of Scripture. The eunuch asks Philip, who is this that the prophet is talking about? Is it himself or is it someone else? And without hesitation, Philip answers that it's Jesus. Now here's the amazing thing. Ministers don't often get thrown softballs. I was with Kim Twitchell the other day in one of the classrooms at her school, and this little girl just pitched me up the, the softball of a question. And for those of you who love softball, I'm not talking fast pitch. That's very hard. I could never hit one of those. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's, that's, that's crazy. But slow pitch softball, sign me up. And this little girl pitched this softball of a question, and I looked up at Kim, and Kim looked at me, and she goes, if you can't hit that one, you can't hit any of them. And in all reality, this is the softball question of the Old Testament. In this chapter, chapter 53 of Isaiah, the eunuch reads about one who was like a sheep led to slaughter, 
And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. If you turn over to Isaiah 53, you look and you see that this song, this section of Isaiah is called the servant's song or the suffering servant, right? And it starts just a few verses earlier in Isaiah 52, and it goes on to talk about the suffering servant of God. Listen to this one verse, verse five. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Children, you've heard this one, right? And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It wasn't just that Philip realized and put it together that this passage is about Jesus, but he had listened to Jesus, who in Luke 22 said, this passage must be fulfilled in me that I am numbered with the transgressors. That's a verse later on. And it's no fewer than eight verses of this entire chapter that are referenced to Jesus and focus on his substitutionary atonement. This section that the eunuch was reading simply says that this servant of God was unjustly murdered and yet didn't defend himself or object. And from that springboard of truth, Philip launches into the person and the work of Jesus, showing the eunuch how every section of Isaiah 53 was precisely fulfilled in Christ. Now look, why is this such a big deal? Why is this so precise? Well, I want you to understand. Chapter 54 of Isaiah is about the comfort that that means to the people of God and the call that is offered to the people of God to return because of the substitutionary work of Christ And not only that, chapter 55 is then a call to the nations, to everyone who would hear. The proclamation is not exclusive. Our salvation in Christ is exclusive to Christ alone. But the proclamation in Isaiah 55 says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. But then precision laid before us that Luke saw and was shocked comes out of these verses of Isaiah 56. Are you ready? This is going to blow your mind. Isaiah 56 1 says this, thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let 
not the eunuch, say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. This eunuch served in the court in Ethiopia, castrated for safety, for the court. This eunuch may have been used in some practices, but was now a proselyte, at least of Judaism, and maybe even a Jew from Ethiopia. But hear what we see as Luke heard Philip's story is the precision of Jesus' work in redemption even in the face of persecution. Because God had promised that his redemption would go to the ends of the earth. You see, it's Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Here, the eunuch from Ethiopia. And because God's redemption goes to the ends of the earth, he sends his people to witness to the ends of the earth. Luke records that he was called to go to a specific road, and that road was in the desert. Guess what the section of the sermon songs of Isaiah starts with? It starts with Isaiah 40, verse 3, that says, Make a straight way in the desert and comfort my people. Imagine the comfort to the eunuch that he experienced. And finally, the last thing that I want you to hear is that because God's redemption is to the ends of the earth, therefore his people witness to the ends of the earth is to take hold of God's promises, God's covenant promises, and to rejoice. Listen to them as they are recited through this eunuch here in verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Here, we see the eunuch, take hold of God's covenant promises. And we see him rejoicing. If you go back to Isaiah 56 and you begin to read what God says about the eunuch, he says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. This is an amazing, just experience extensive widening of God's breadth of redemption. Because in Deuteronomy 23, he says, no male who has been castrated, whether it be by accident or, or on purpose, is to enter into the temple. But here we see in God's mercy the expanse of his redemption 
he says to a eunuch who keeps the Sabbath. Essentially, he's saying to one who orients his life around God. And one commentator said, what would give better witness to a life changed than that during the eunuch's day? And he said, so for us today. And one of the things that the eunuch teaches us is that his very priorities bear witness to a watching world. And our question is, do our priorities, do our priorities of organizing our lives around God and His covenant promises bear witness to a watching world? The eunuch held fast to those promises. The first water he saw, he goes, can we get in that mud puddle? Remember, this is the desert. What water did they find? Was it deep water? Was it any water? Did they have to kneel in the water? All we are told is it was enough water for baptism. Because he heard Philip declare what Peter declared when the people said, what must we do to be saved? Repent of your sins and be baptized. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And the eunuch did it immediately. This eunuch is listed in Luke's gospel because he wants to convince Theophilus the things that he said that he has believed in rather are true. Both Luke and Theophilus were Greek. The Greek Old Testament is this book called the Septuagint. And you want to know what it says about the eunuch and the Septuagint in Isaiah 56? Instead of saying a monument and a name, it says that the eunuch will be given a place of honor. Isn't that what this is? A place of honor. Because God's redemption is to the ends of the earth. Therefore, he sends his people to the ends of the earth. He leaves rejoicing. If you want to hear rejoicing, go back and read Isaiah 55, 12. Does our rejoicing bear witness to Christ. This week, as you think about obeying your king who entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, as you recognize that his redemptive purposes are so precise that even in the face of persecution, he fulfilled the prophecies of Isaiah, that the reason that you are here is because God is using you to continually fulfill His promises. God uses obedience of His people and His Word, Scripture, to convert women and men. I would love for you to read Isaiah 53 and 54 and 55 and 56 this week and pray that God would open your eyes. Who will one day stand up in the community of God and say, God's redemption of my life was so specific and he sent you to teach me about Jesus. Let's pray.